Warm intros run the world. It's how humans translate trust with each other. If you want to break into a network, get someone from that network to vouch for you and getting in is much easier. With that said, I don't know how this has happened, but in 2023, getting a warm intro has never been harder. There are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people aiming to get into very exclusive networks. And the warm intro model isn't effective anymore. There's too much noise for the signal. So if you are a professional, if you're someone that wants to expand your network, what is someone to do? Well, you could spend your time cold emailing, sending LinkedIn emails, and hoping one of 100 people replies gets you a coffee meeting that leads nowhere. Or you could do something different. And today's episode is sponsored by SeedScout, which allows you to do something different. SeedScout is a platform that allows you to request introductions to other people on the network with a click of a button. No more sending long emails, no more sending, doing all this research, right? It's simple. You send an intro request. If they want to meet you, they accept, and you're instantly introduced. SeedScout is an alternative way to expand your network that gives someone more context than a cold email, but it's faster to achieve than that warm introduction. So if you are a sick of spending hours, days, weeks, months, even years trying to break into new networks and you just want to try something new, I would check out seedscout.com, S-E-E-D, scout.com. Let's get into today's episode and thanks for listening. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. We talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Cody James, who's the founder of OpenX. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Pretty good. How about you, Matt? I'm doing really well. Just had some lunch, had some coffee, doing all these these, these podcasts, and I'm feeling really <laughs> energized. And I'm very excited for this conversation. I feel like I've been following the act- some of the activity that you've been up to on Twitter. I'm just like fascinated by, by what you got going on. So let's just dive into it. What is OpenX and, and what are you working on? Yeah, so overall, we're working on getting more people into advanced manufacturing, particularly in the United States. We are building a training platform so anyone can get the key skills they need to go get those great careers that are out there, whether at like SpaceX or Tesla, maybe some of the traditional like, you know, Boeing and Lockheed and more. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a major problem I feel personally and that, yeah, we're really excited to be working on. So who was OpenX for? Like, I'm someone that I I'm just traditionally have been, you know, a salesperson, marketing, like you know, just kind of online hype person. Could someone like me take one of your 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 courses or classes, or who are you kind of designed for, and um, how accessible is it to like you know someone with varying levels of technical skills? Yeah. So from day one, the mission is to build a tool for the general public and for people to better connect with companies, to train on the skills that they need, and to be able to go and uh, you know, really 
circumvent and shortcut a lot of the existing solutions they can go get a job at those companies now to get there we understand that you know we have to get adopted by the industry we have to break into like particularly aerospace and defense and you know the early days will be very very focused on on getting into those large companies so we're working now with uh with lockheed martin boeing uh northrop grumman and rtx and really you know scaling up what we're building uh, in terms of a training platform and all of the trainings being certified and more. And while we're doing that and lowering the cost of all of these different skills to democratize it, make it so more people can enter the fields, um, you know, it's always open for the general public. So they can, you know, go onto the platform and then sign up for a program. It's just, you know, um, not tailored for the public yet. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So is it kind of like the companies you just mentioned, do they kind of tell you, hey, like we want people skilled and in, in, we want people skilled in like these these skills or we want someone to be able to use this machine and then you go ahead and make a course or make content on on that and then people that are interested in in using that machine or having that skill can learn and then the 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 companies are like, oh, hey, like now we have more <laughs> yeah. qualified people. Is that kind of, is that kind right. of how it yeah. works? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the core concept. Now, a huge problem in this, and you know, we look at why is there uh, a skilled worker deficit in the United States? There's some like 800,000 unfilled positions today. By 2030, it's looking like you know anywhere between three, three and a half million, and that's before the Chips Act and all of this, you know, uh, great like series of investments that are coming into the field. We look at that and we, and we ask like, what what is the you know the skilled worker deficit? What are the skills? And uh, we find that like really no one can tell you what the specific skill sets are. Uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics is like a broad sweep macroeconomic trend analysis of it. If you talk to these companies, um, you know, HR departments will typically bring up like one or two different buzzwords or like keywords. Uh, God forbid we fall into like the industry 4.0 trap and stuff like that. Um, what we did was we ended up building a data model that scrubs, you know, all going on in the workforce and then we can isolate the key skills that are needed we build ahead of uh, really, you know, waiting for any data report or anything to tell us what is needed out there. So we go and we build the trainings ourselves. We often are telling the companies, hey, you're going to need like, you know, 35 different trainings that don't exist in the market today. Um, prop, like skills that have existed for decades and just no one's really built the training infrastructure for them, which has caused the United States to fall, you know, very far behind in terms of manufacturing prowess. And I'd love to learn, I guess, two things. One, uh, the origin story here. Like you decided you wanted to solve mm -hmm. this problem, but but why? Like why this problem? Why, <laughs> why this company? And then like, what's your what's your background? Like, do you do you already know how to do all these, operate all these machines? Or you just want to solve that for for the world? Like walk walk me through <laughs> a little bit of like your background and and your interest in in working on this problem. Yeah. So my background leads into you know naturally why I'd want to be working on this. Um, I'm a robotics guy, so I worked in aerospace over the last uh, decade as a robotics programmer doing, you know, predominantly composite like airframes for the Scorpion uh, trainer jet for Textron, uh, did a lot on Joint Strike Fighter, was responsible for North American wing skins and fuselage. And um, before that, I was at Boeing, did like the Delta IV, uh, the NASA and Boeing collab, uh, the cryogenic fuel tank, and then a lot of 8.7 stuff. I have a very unconventional background that led me into working on those programs, which is that I, I actually don't have a college degree. Um, family, you know, like we're parents were working three jobs each. My sisters and I uh, didn't really have like funds or anything to go pay for college. So I, I uh, learned how to do robotics programming off of like YouTube and Reddit. Now, 
my personal experience working in the industry, not being able to afford the traditional system, being let down by that traditional system, and still finding a way. As I was going through all of these different factories across the United States, I was seeing, wow, there are a lot of communities out there. There's a lot of people that are just like me that um, don't necessarily have that you know, clear path or that great support that they need to go work in these great fields. We look at uh, sectors of manufacturing like aerospace, and they're paying 41% above a nominal position for like same background. Uh, broader manufacturing, some like 12 or 13% higher. So, you know, you like, look at these well-paying jobs. They, they're they not what, you know, a lot of people think they are the 80s, like crusty factories and everything. And you wonder why, why aren't people going and applying for these jobs and making more money and contributing towards great things. I mean, like going to work on Starlink, what, what an amazing thing to contribute your time on or, you know, propelling clean energy or working on defense programs. These are all incredible efforts. So I, after a few years of researching this problem and trying to figure out like who's working on this, um, came to the conclusion that really like no one is solving the problem of just getting people skilled and getting them into industry. I, I tried very, very hard to find any route but to start the company. But uh, yeah, in about 2020, I ended up taking all my life savings. I sold my rental house and like my cars and stock and everything. And I put all my, build a, a company that can just make it easy to learn the key skills that are needed and get people into the field. So that's a, a bit of my background and, and why I'm working on this. I love that. I subscribe to that heavily, you know, especially just like being part of something great and having the skill set to be a part of something great. I think that's fantastic. I'm curious for you, what are you spending your time on an average day? Obviously as a founder, you probably wear lots of hats as we all do, but if you had to synthesize it, where are you spending most of your time, at least, you know, these days? Yeah. So I spent a lot of my time, uh, mostly on product and then customers, uh, like naturally the team is constantly like in the middle of both of those, uh, and we're all working on it together. But I mean, as might sound odd, but, um, I actually think most training and education, anything is super lame. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, we have to try really hard to make it something that's like worth spending your time on. Um, we take a lot of unconventional approaches from the product standpoint, trying to minimize how much time somebody has to spend on the platform and get them back onto the field, get them back into action. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the time is just spent between those two things. Um, on the customer side, a lot of these like larger enterprises that we're working on right now, as well as uh, our US military, we, we work with the Air Force quite a bit and have been scaling that up. So where a lot of the a lot a lot of the time goes today. Definitely. And then if you were to kind of look out into the future, um, what do you see five, 10, 15 years from now for, for OpenX? Or if, if you realize what you're what you're doing, what does the world look like in a decade or two? Yeah. So what we're imagining is essentially the limitations of an individual will be bound by purely their ambition in terms of wanting to go accelerate and get into these great fields. Um, we want to create these extremely clear paths where, where if you want to go work on fighter jets, um, you know exactly what to do. Uh, cost is not uh, a barrier. You have access to the machines to go get the skills that you need. Um, and you can go and build guided projects that are certified by those companies and just show HR and bypass this like horrible process of, you know, I found a job posting, I'm going to try to build my resume, go get a certificate. It's like a huge mess, right? Um, so we really love this idea of just 
opening the doors to this industry and, and, and making it so anyone can go and get into it. So complete upward mobility uh, for anyone in the general public that wants to get into it. And that'll manifest in a lot of different ways. You know, naturally, like the easy starting point was to create a digital platform. But as we evolve into the future, we see a lot of opportunities to revamp like what are commonly seen as like maker spaces into uh, skilled training centers or creating our own four walled, uh, you know, open facility for the general communities and putting those in hubs. So I think over the next 10 to 15 years, certainly what we'll do, you know, if we nail this right, we'll be able to get hundreds of thousands of additional people into the field and reinstate America as a global leader in manufacturing as it should be and really propel our industries forward. You mentioned something earlier, which I want to I want to check it on. Um, you said, I think the word was industry 4.0 or like something <laughs> 4.0. I, yeah. I've like heard yeah. this, but I, I don't know exactly what it is. And you seem to have an opinion on it. Can you kind of like tell us what is that? And, and uh, is that good or bad for the future? Like w- w- oh, walk us through yeah. what, what that is. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, uh, you know, in any given field, there's going to be progress from like a technical standpoint and um, you know, we'll make progress on that. And then the marketing department's going to have their fun in the manufacturing world. Industry 4.0 is a marketing slang for like future factory. And it's essentially just like a PowerPoint slide that has a picture of a robot arm and then an IOT like sensor somewhere in a factory. And then like, maybe somebody made a dashboard, you know, that's realistically what it is. Um, like, may I throw in the words or letters AI also? Yeah. So industry 4.0 is like, you know, quite quite the marketing push, um, but that's essentially what it is. Is it's it's this concept of incorporating new technologies into a uh, languished industry. That makes sense. And then I have one last one before we kind of go into how the forward thinking founders community to help can help. And that question is like, you know, it's it's kind of obvious to me, but I don't necessarily know why. The question is, why is it important to you or why is it important in general that that United States of America becomes the, the leading country in manufacturing and innovation? Um, why does that matter to you and why do you think that should matter to everybody? Well, naturally, I'm very pro-America. I think that um, there's never been a case in humankind where a nation has accumulated so much power and done so little with it in terms of abuse to other countries, right? Um, so I, th- I think that it's exceptional what the United States has done. I think capitalism is an amazing thing that allows for great, great progress. I mean, we can see that from like every and any data point. Now, in terms of manufacturing, we look at all of our you know great accomplishments of humanity, anything that we love and consider to be like a game changer from computers to even the internet to commercial aircraft, anything, this all comes from a strong manufacturing prowess. Um, the United States has been the manufacturing global leader for every single decade since the Industrial Revolution, when we supplanted the, the British Empire, except for just about the last like 10, 15 years. When uh, you know China and the CCP have, uh, you know, in 2001 joined the World Trade Organization and you know in the 2010s, supplanted us and become the number one uh, leader in, in the world's um, really the world's factory. Now, I think that there's two layers to this in terms of concern. Um, number one, you know, uh, peacetime factories are wartime capacity. So, you know, we look at like any means of uh, production capability by a country that is war capability. And that is very concerning for like a communist regime. Um, the second one is 
is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of power you can do when you have that massive manufacturing prowess. The United States really like brought computers to the world. We brought aircraft to the world. We brought automotive to the world in a large way and commercialized those things. And I think it's amazing, you know, what a country like ours can do, you know, when it has that massive manufacturing capability. So I'm very excited for, for our future in that. And I see a strong America in manufacturing as one that can really conquer the stars and that can accelerate us through, you know, space and um, that can bring a whole new level of um, innovation and accomplishment to, to even fields like computing. So I'm, I'm super excited for yeah, the United States to do it both from like a practical defense reason, but then also from like an inspiring uh, exploration standpoint. I love to hear that. That's a great perspective. And in order to make your vision happen and make this come to life, you will need some help. You know, it's a, it's a big vision, uh, yeah. you know, but, but oftentimes to make, make those happen, like you need, you need help along the way. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you make it happen? Are you hiring? Are you looking for investors? Are you looking for customers, partners? Like how can we assist yeah. here at forward thinking founders? Yeah. The, um, my favorite thing to always ask for is like, if anyone ever sees me doing something stupid or like wasting time on something, just tell me, um, you know, like I'm, I'm certainly not a uh, particularly trained in these domains. So, you know, I'm always learning as I go and I always appreciate the feedback um, in terms of hiring. Yeah, absolutely. If, you know, anyone has full stack software engineers that can demonstrate exceptional ability and uh, they don't need domain experience in, in either of these things, um, you know, front end designers, um, really like anyone who has a great passion for getting more minds into the industrial fields, I'd love to talk to them. So yeah, uh, that's always extremely helpful. And then from the fundraising standpoint, um, yeah, we're, we're looking at routes in, in terms of, uh, how we want to accelerate the growth of the company and just like, I think we'll have some really cool news on that soon. Um, yeah, nothing that, that I want to share just yet, but, um, yeah. Cool. And then for my last question, if someone wanted to um, get in touch, find you online, find OpenX online, um, how can they find you? What's your website, your social media, email yeah. address? Like where are different ways to connect? <laughs> yeah, uh, the website's just tryopenx.com. Uh, and probably the best way to get a hold of us recently is like Twitter or X. Uh, I just recently started using that a few months ago and it's become kind of a good center of gravity in terms of uh, social networking. So yeah. That's a really good way to do it. It's just uh, at Cody Ames or at TryOpenX. I want one last question, just because you brought sure. it up. Why? Um, what what caused you to get on X and Twitter, and like, what has your experience been as a founder since being <laughs> active on the platform? I ask as an avid Twitter user myself. Yeah, like yeah. This for your experience. <laughs> yeah, uh, as lame as it sounds, I actually uh, originally built up. One moment. Can you still hear me? Yep, I can still hear you. Okay, just making sure. As lame as it sounds, I originally built up uh, like some large communities supporting OpenX and the ideas uh, on like Facebook. Seems like it's very tough to get people to move over from like Facebook groups to uh, these platforms. But yeah, we like built up tens of thousands of members that work in manufacturing and industrials there. Landon on our team, who's uh, like my right hand man, he's amazing, best teammate ever. Uh, he has been on Twitter since like 2014, and he's been telling me nonstop for the last couple of years, like. Cody, you need to like get on this app. Trust me, uh, this is where everyone's at. So yeah, I, I joined uh, earlier this year or like started using it earlier this year. And uh, it's been amazing in terms of meeting, I'd say others in the tech and like more of like tech and VC communities. Um, a lot of the industrial communities, I'll notice like, yeah, like 
the the really good builders driver's license with the black bar over their eyes those guys are great <laughs> and um yeah just not as much like hardcore industrial uh people though um it is cool to see a lot of the startup community that's really interested in it though. So overall, yeah, I've, I've had a great experience with it. I really like it. Yeah. If it means anything, I feel like I, I heard about you uh, from Twitter. So that, that's, that's how I found oh, okay, out cool. uh, about OpenX. Um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm an avid user. It's been a lot of fun and um, yeah. Hoping to meet new, cool new founders that, that are on it. So if you're listening to this and you're on Twitter, shoot me a DM, maybe you'll end up on the pod. Well, Cody, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate what you're working on and you coming on. And I just wish you best of luck to make it happen. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you for running the pod and for bringing founders on.